0: everyone welcome to another episode of the market and the good my name is Chris Gassman I'm your host today and today we're going to tackle three things first the message of food access second a strategy of bridging the gap and third a tactic of multi-sector partnerships to do that we've invited a guest to join us our guest today is Ivory Sims. And for, you, for those of you who do not yet know Ivory, she is a practitioner scholar and doctor of management, design, and innovation fellow at Case Western Reserve University. Ivory, welcome to the show. Hi, Chris.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, pleasure to have you here. So, Ivory, we've discussed a variety of different topics over the, the past number of times that we caught up. What, what will the audience gain by listening to us today?
1: Sure. So the audience is gonna learn today, Chris, that the collaboration and partnership of food actors is vital for the emergence and sustainability of food access and low-income markets.
0: Gotcha. This is an interesting space to be in, Ivory. What's, What's your why? Why are you working on making the world a better place in ways that make business sense in this particular way?
1: Sure, so I have personal experience in these markets, so I'm a native of Dayton, Ohio, raised from a traditional blue collar family. And in your traditional blue collar families, you know, hard work and being able to provide for your family, those things are key. And one of the key things in my family, food was always at the highest of this chain. Then came clothing and shelter. But in my household, food was always at the top of the list. So much so that grocery shopping was an all day event my mother would take her time collecting coupons out of the Sunday paper. This is when we actually still had hard coupons versus your digital means (laughs) as of today. And my mother had it in a nice Rolodex of every coupon that she collected out of the Sunday paper. And she would also peruse stores and locations that were outside of my neighborhood just to make sure that we got the best deals and the best quality Mm -hmm. of food. Now, fast forward to that today. In the same community that I was raised in, you have food retail stores, they're closing at a rapid pace. Now when consumers, they do not have access to affordable quality food within a two mile radius. But this poses a bigger challenge on families that do not have reliable transportation.
0: Mm. Gotcha. So Iver, you, you started to tee it up a little bit in there. What's idea in brief. What are some of the aspects of the, you know, the who, where, what, when, how of the the problem that you're seeing and what are some of the the facets of the solution to that problem?
1: Sure. So let's talk, let me uh, talk a little bit about the who. So there's terminology that I use called food actors and your food actors comprise of two key stakeholder groups. These are your traditional food retail leaders and your non-traditional food retail leaders. Now in these two stakeholder groups, they are the active frontline participants as it pertains to food sustainment and low income markets. Now your non-traditional food retailers, these are leaders from various industries, such as banking and finance, commercial real estate, community development, and government institutions. And with this space, there are different models of food access needed for low income markets. So for instance, your traditional food retailers, they like to utilize algorithms to forecast the success of a store location. And there are a host of indicators and inputs that go into these algorithms. Um, At times, they will utilize the GDP as an indicator to measure and test the strength of a specific market. However, as it relates to low income consumers, 35% of their income is used to purchase food versus affluent consumers only use 8% of their income on food. So if you think about it, Chris, when you're utilizing these algorithms and if you're utilizing something like the GDP to test the strength of a market, that doesn't really give you the full picture of what's really going on in low-income markets. Mm. Now, so a solution to this is that mixed modeling, it addresses food access needs that are specific to low-income consumers. And what we find is that we have the partnership of food actors coming together that ignites the development and use of alternative models. Mm. And also another element, Chris, with these markets these are markets where communities that once thrived off of independent and locally owned stores, and in sustaining food access in low-income markets, you find a reemergence of these uh, models and also consumer engagement.
0: Gotcha. So, Ivy, you started it up uh, there for each of those, you, just to make sure that we're we're clear. You know, for you, dear listener, what's what's that? That call to action, Uh, what's the one thing that the audience should do when they walk away from our episode today?
1: Sure, so this is a call to action for all food actors. As we have seen, COVID-19 has exposed the magnitude of vulnerability and especially with our current food systems. So for the first call to action is for my traditional food retailers. If you're looking to close the gap of access in a low income market, I encourage you to connect with a multi-sector leader who are actively engaged with marginalized consumers. Now these leaders, they have a line of sight into the social context of low income markets and also resources to capital. So for example, the Food Trust, it's a national organization that partners with big box retailers and local grocers to obtain resources. And this organization has branches throughout the US. My second call is for those non-food retail leaders I would love to see you connect with your traditional food retail leaders because it's so important to understand the retail market, the macro and micro food environment. It is crucial to the success of equitable food access. And finally, my last call is to your social entrepreneurs. If you're looking for an emerging market, food equity, this is a space for you. Food access is destitute in low income markets and with the right consumer engagement and stakeholder support, there's room to grow and scale.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Well, I read, uh, this we've teed up a lot for folks to sink their teeth <laughs> into, pun intended. Uh, <laughs> what uh, would you be game for for folks to follow up with you? I, I would as a practitioner, scholar, practitioner, scholar, I would imagine so. Uh, I don't want to presume. Um, and if so, what would be the best way for folks to to follow up with you?
1: Sure. Absolutely, Chris. This is the space that I love to be in when we're bringing um, academia and uh, industry leaders together. So you can reach me at Ivory, I-V-O-R-Y, period, sims, S-I-M-M-S, at case.edu.
0: Perfect. Well, Ivory, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing these insights with uh, us and our audience. Much appreciated.
1: Thanks, Chris. I had a good time.
0: Yeah. Pleasure to have you. And Audience, thank you, dear listeners, for joining us here. Please do continue to send in all of your, your feedback, your questions, your ratings on all of your favorite listening platforms. We do listen. We, we do keep them in mind and, and do iterate the show based on your feedback. Uh, please do continue to stay safe, stay healthy, stay happy, and we will catch you here on another episode of The Market and the Good. Take care, all. Bye.